How exciting to be in God's presence. Hallelujah. This morning I've got a subject that I'm really excited about. I'm going to be speaking about the great I am. The great I am, and initially that scripture comes from uh, Exodus chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles with you, please turn to Exodus chapter 3. A friend of mine used to say, if you haven't got a Bible with you, go and sit next to a Christian. We're going to read 15 verses from chapter 3, verse 1 to 15. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the beck of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, or I know their pain. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I have come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord your God, sorry, the Lord God of your fathers and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Here is Moses minding his own business, looking after sheep. 
and all of a sudden he sees a bush burning that is not being consumed. And he said, oh, I think I'll have a look at this. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, he hears the voice of God. Don't come any closer. Take the sandals off your feet. The ground that you're standing on is holy ground. God comes to us in unexpected ways. Paul, while he was persecuting Christians, Jesus met him on the road. Elisha was ploughing his father's field, minding his own business, and all of a sudden a mantle is thrown on his shoulders by Elijah, and all of a sudden he knows exactly what that means. He's going to be the prophet that replaces Elijah. Gideon, threshing wheat in what's name? In secret, in, in the wine press, because he was scared of the Midianites. You might not be seeking God, and all of a sudden God comes to you suddenly, like he did in these cases. Let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are always with us. Lord, that you are always speaking to us. And Lord, I pray that our ears might be tuned to hear what you are saying. Lord, the radio can be on, but if it's not on the station, we hear just a lot of crackling noise and, and nothing is communicated. But when it's on the station, all of a sudden we hear clearly. Father, we pray for that today. Lord, our ears, our heart, our mind to be in tune with you, that we may hear what you have to say to us this day, for we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. What did God say? I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. That's what the Bible says. God says, said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am who I am. And he said thus, this is my name forever and this is my memorial to all generations. This is a study of the seven I am sayings of Jesus found in, the, in John's Gospel, and it continually demonstrated a keen awareness of the revelation between, the re, between God in the Old Testament and the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in the New Testament era. And the revelation of Jesus is as the Son of God in the New Testament era. As John listened to Jesus' teachings, he sensed a significant parallel in God's announcement about his person in the I Am sayings. We must go back to the burning bush at Sinai and examine the great I Am who revealed himself to Moses when he was 80 years old. So that's when his ministry started. So if you're younger than 80, just hang on for a while. God might come to you yet. When he turned aside at the strange sight of the bush that burned without being consumed, the Lord announced to Moses that he had been chosen to go to Pharaoh and say, secure the release of my people. Can you imagine? He used to be in Pharaoh's court. 
He knows what Pharaoh is able to do and at his, at his command, you could live or die. So he starts to make excuses. One of them which was, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. God's reply was weighted with meaning. So he said, I am who I am. This implied, I am the God of the past, the present and the future. I am all you need me to be. That's who I am. I'm the God of the present. God used this verb being, and I, I can't say it properly most likely, Iya. It was translated, I am who I am. That's the Hebrew. God was saying to Moses, I am the God of the now. I'm the God of the now. He assured Moses of God's continued presence with him as he carried out the divine task that God had given to Moses to carry out. Moses was already concerned about what personal qualities and abilities he had to carry out the task. People often look at their own abilities when God was saying here what Jesus said to his disciples where he calls them to, a, to particular responsibilities. Lo, I'm with you always. When God called me into the ministry, I told him he was making a mistake. I said, God, I'm just a fisherman. We look at our own abilities. I said, God, I haven't been to Bible college. God, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. I didn't even finish grade eight in school. Why are you calling me? You know what God says? I've called fishermen before and I know what I'm doing. It's true. God knows. It. See, God starts to qualify you when you say yes to him. You may not be qualified before, but he qualifies you as you say yes to him and you start walking with him and he starts to qualify you for the task that he has set before you. That word, lo, I'm with you always, the word lo in the, in the Greek means look, see. It also says, I want you to see literally or figuratively. That's what he's saying. I just want you to see. The very essence of the word low is, look, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then he says, amen. It's going to be like that. In Moses' day, a person's name was the summation of his or her character. The refusal to share one's name was an unwillingness to give oneself to another person completely. On the other hand, to give somebody your name implied that you were giving that person some power over you. God was willingly giving to Moses a great deal of power and authority to call on his name in prayer, proclamation and prophecy. It's amazing. We have the same today. 
because of what Jesus did for us on the cross at Calvary. See, the great I am in the Old Testament is now the I am in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just read those out. I am the bread of life. He says, unless you eat of me, you're not going to have any life. I am the light of the world. I am the door for the sheep. A lot of people say, well, there's many doors. There's one. Jesus Christ is the door to the Father. I am the good shepherd. And he goes on to say, I lay down my life for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. If Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead, we'd still be in our sin today. 1 Corinthians 15 makes that very clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There isn't any other way to the Father but by me, he says. I am the true vine. We need to be grafted into that vine of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees, Jesus replied, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. You look at all these things that Jesus said and you see, wow. He was with the Father when the world was created. He saw all those things in times past in glory. And then he comes as a babe born in a manger and he makes all these statements, I am. God was assuring Moses, tell the Israelites that he is very present help in times of need and trouble. Isn't that what Jesus is to us today? I'm asking a question. Isn't, what, isn't that what Jesus is to us today? He's there all the time. He's not locked into the past with what they used to be, nor is he preoccupied with the future of what may be someday, that he cannot be helpful here and now. Then Moses told the succeeding generations that he is the God of the present. He also said, I'm the God of the past. Say to the Israelites, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has sent me to you. He's reminding that God was with them and now he is with Moses. Isn't that exactly the same what Elisha, when he saw Elijah go up in the fiery chariot? And he, and he grabs the mantle of Elijah, strikes the water, and he says, where is the God of Elijah? And the water's parted. He goes on to say, this is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. God wanted his people to know that he was the same God who led blessed and made covenants with their forefathers. 
He's the God of Abraham. Abraham was a righteous man. Everybody knows that. He's Abraham, <coughs> the Israelites were aware of Abraham's significance as the chief patriarch of their nation. Of the three greatest patriarchs, Abraham was best known and best respected. A shining example of good moral and ethical conduct. God was saying to his children, I am the God of your righteous father Abraham that Abraham worshipped. He was also the God of Isaac, the least well known of the three patriarchs. Isaac is overshadowed in the scripture by his father and his son Jacob. Isaac was just given one chapter in the book of Genesis in which he is mentioned totally for something he did alone. He planted seed and he reaped a hundredfold. Lyle, have you ever got a hundred potatoes out of one? That's pretty amazing. It really is miraculous. In other places, he is mentioned only in relation to either Abraham or, or Jacob. And Isaac, in reality, is a nobody compared to the other two patriarchs. Well, we say he's a nobody. I think he was somebody really special. Isaac was the son of promise. He went with his father on, on Mount Moriah. Apparently he was a teenager at this stage, somewhere between 16 and 18. Yet he allowed his father to tie him onto the altar, ready to slay him, and he did not fight him off when he could have done. He had faith in God and he had faith in his father. That's pretty amazing when you think of it. Isaac was almost a nobody except he was a man of faith. God through Isaac was saying to his children, I'm the God of the least known as well as the God of the best known. There are those who are overshadowed by the fame of others. He is also the God of Jacob and Jacob was notoriously unrighteous. The Bible is so honest, isn't it? His life was characterised by deceit and honesty. Jacob, his very name means he supplants. His name reflected both his character and his deeds. Yet when Jacob met God, he encounters God at the brook Jabbok. When you and I met Jesus, how changed our lives became. Totally, totally different. All I used to think about was me and my world and what revolved around me. And then when I met Jesus, I became concerned for other people all over the world. His character was forever changed as our character should be forever changed. He became known as Israel, Prince of God. Thus God was saying, I'm the God who changes lives. Can I get an amen? I'm the God who changes lives. 
no matter how evil the past is, God's name also meant he's the God of the past. He delves into our past with the blood of Jesus, washes us clean, and now we stand before him righteous. And God the Father looks at us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and sees us as righteous. I look at it all and I go, wow, that's what you call total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. I'm also the God of the future. Earlier I mentioned that the Hebrew word that God used as his name was Iyeh. It is a present tense verb of being. It is also true that the word may be translated, I will be who I will be, or I will be all that you need me to be. And isn't that Jesus to us? God here was also saying to Moses, at any time in the near and distant future, he will still be God. God was telling Moses that not only in the here and now, but Moses, the people of Israel and their descendants could always count on God being with them. And God is still saying that to you and me today. Lo, I am with you always. Ah, I get excited about that, that... Moses in the Old Testament who led approximately three million people out of bondage in Egypt into the promised land, that same God cares for us like he cared for Moses. That God did miracles in the lives of Moses and he'll do miracles in our lives today because he loves us. Hallelujah. I'm the God who meets all your needs. I'm here for you. That's his word to us. God has no limits. He is limitless. Come on. My grandson, when he was about four years old, he used to look at his dad, who's about six foot seven, six foot eight, and I'd say, can your dad do that? And he'd say, my dad can do anything. He was so convinced that his father, being 120 kgs or muscle, could do anything. That's how we need to think about our father in heaven. Come on, that was pretty poor. That's how we need to think about our father in heaven. He can do anything on our behalf. There's nothing too difficult for him. That's what the Bible says. Is there anything too hard for me? He poses the question. The answer is a resounding no. There's nothing too hard for him. He's not bound by time. Whatever promises he has made in the past, they will be kept into the future. Even if the generation of Moses is not present to see the fulfillment of any promise, the people can be sure that God will always and forever be present to keep his word. Every word that's been a prophetic word in the Bible, and this Bible is full of the prophetic, 
God brings to pass accurately. I look at it and I think, it's been written over such a long period of time by so many different authors and it all happens just like he said. Wow. He looks after his word to fulfill it. God comes to you and I today to tell you that he will be present today, tomorrow, and into the future, and forever after that. Finally, God says to Moses that he wishes to say to each one of us today, I'm the God of the past. I've spoken to your fathers, I've been with the leadership of your churches and in past generations, even though, as we still do, have flaws and imperfections, I worked with them, loved them, saved them, I'm also the God of the present. I'm not locked into an ancient book, tradition, history, or empty religion. Things I did for Moses, I want to do for you today. I want to be your God today. I want you to be my people today. Oh, this is so encouraging. I go over my notes and I go, yeah, yeah, this is just so good. And it is, because he is faithful. He is the one that is faithful. Finally, I'm the God of your great future. Doesn't matter what happens in my life, it doesn't matter what happens with this body, God is going to take care of my future as he's going to take care of you, your future if you continue to trust in him and walk with him and listen to him and do what he asks you to do. That's his promise. What does he say? I'm going before you. I'm the God who does not change. I will not change. I will keep my promises to you because I'm with you today. I will be with you tomorrow and forever. I am the great I am. Every time I read that, I go, yeah, or a bit more, yeah. Just to make it strong because he makes very strong statements about what he thinks of us. If I look at Psalm 139, he says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I go, wow, that's amazing. Doctors have been practicing on my body for the last six or seven months and God knows every single part of my body. He doesn't have to practice. He said, this is what you need or that is what you need. And the doctors say, I think this is what is going to make the difference. I think. And you talk to them, and if you ask them to be honest, they will tell you, I think this is going to make the difference. Well, we were going to start off with this, and then we'll go to this because we don't want to make a mistake. Well, God doesn't make any mistakes. Come on. I've talked to them, I've talked to doctors, and I said, can you heal? And they go, no, we practice. 
the honest ones say that. They will actually admit that they are practicing, but God says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Is that what it says? There's a huge difference between what people say and what God says. Let us respond with faith to our God who knows our past, our presence, and our future. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you are the God that knows us from the end, from the beginning to the end. You know our past, our present, and our future. And Lord, I thank you for that, Lord, that our life is in your hands. And Lord, I love the promise that you say nobody is able to snatch us out of the hands of Jesus or of the Father. That's what the scriptures proclaim. And Lord, that we are always safe when we stay in your hands, willingly saying, Lord, I want to be in your hand. I want your protection over my life. I want you to lead me and guide me for all that you have for me, even the surprises. Lord, as Moses was surprised, as Gideon was surprised, as Paul was surprised, as Elisha was surprised, and many others, they weren't even looking for God, yet you surprised them. Father, may we always be in that realm of anticipation as to what you might want to do with our lives as well as being able to say, Lord, I want to be used by you. And Lord, then just wait on you until you speak to us or you lead us or you speak a prophetic word over us or we read the Bible and something jumps out from the word and that speaks to our heart. Father, this year of 2024, we pray for your leading. We pray for your guidance. We pray for all of us to be ready at all times to be saying, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. And here I am, Lord, all that you say to me, I will do. Father, when you speak to us, bring us to a place where we become a yes generation where we will say, yes, Lord. Say, yes, Lord, all the time. Lord, don't come up with excuses, but say, yes, Lord. Help us, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us, O oh God, to be your sons and daughters that are going to bring light and salt to all the earth and wherever we travel, for we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If there's anybody here that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, this is a, an amazing time to be able to do it, to say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be leading me and guiding me. I want you to be to me as you was to Moses as you was 
to Elijah as he was to Elisha, as he was to Gideon, and all these characters. Lord, I want to be one of those people. If there's anybody here that is in that position where you've never ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, please come and see me after. I would love to pray with you. The greatest thing that you will ever do in your life.